0: Black on the Scene is a love letter to Black creators, Black content, and Black voices who are helping to drive change and representation in entertainment. I'm John Gist, here with my lovely co-host, Dee Dee Brown, and we are two industry professionals that have worked on some of the most iconic multicultural film and television campaigns over the years.
1: The Black on the Scene podcast will highlight the many accomplishments of Black folks across film, TV, music, art, literature, and sports that celebrate diverse and nuanced stories which embody our culture. In each episode, we shout out and give flowers to some culture contributors and creators that you know and those you should know for being Black on the scene. Hope you all enjoy this week's conversation. Today on Black on the Scene, we are so geeked to turn the tables on one of our favorite media personalities and storytellers, Jill Monroe. Jill is an LA-bred writer, producer, Producer and host that is a frequent contributor to several nationally syndicated radio programs, including ESPN Radio, NPR, and Yahoo Sports. She has appeared as a featured guest on Spectrum's Africa Roundtable series and the Fox Soul Network.
0: And Jill has interviewed every A-list talent and some of my favorites across sports and entertainment that you can think of, including Oscar-winning actor Denzel Washington, critically acclaimed actor Samuel L. Jackson, actress and Grammy-nominated singer Jennifer Lopez legendary director Steven Spielberg, and one of my absolute favorite persons, Emmy-nominated actress Issa Rae, and so many more. That's just a very small preview of all the folks she's
1: talked to. She is an engaging storyteller and content creator that has also worked in marketing and PR for Nike, Sony Pictures Entertainment, and BT+. Plus. Her brand work has included companies such as Pepsi, Nike, the Big Three, Verizon NFL app, and Ford to name a few. Jill's receipts include lending her expertise to film and TV projects such as American Gangster and The Book of Eli, plus executing experiential marketing campaigns featuring sports and entertainment icons like the late, great Kobe Bryant and Pharrell Williams. In 2009, Jill founded the sports and pop culture site, JocksandstilettoJill.com, which led to the release of her Amazon best-selling first book titled Post Game Pass, Access into the Life, a spinoff of her popular website that gives readers the play-by-play of professional athletes' lifestyles away from the game. She is also a member of the African American Film Critics Association and the National Association of Black Journalists.
0: Jill, welcome to Black on the Scene. We are so happy.
2: Oh, go ahead. I'm so excited to be here. I was telling you guys, I listened to all the episodes. I've learned so much about... Just your backstories, different um, connections within the industry and how they got here. It's inspiring. It's important. And so thank you for that. Oh, thank
0: you. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. I mean, we're so excited to dive in. We're going to have a fun conversation. You have so many. That's why I took the intro for so long. You have so many accomplishments. just it's, it's so I mean, impressive across so many different areas. But I always start with this question when I talk to our guests here. I want to go back to Lil' Jill. Lil' Jill growing up in Ladera Heights of Los Angeles. Who was that little girl growing up, and what did you dream of becoming as a little girl?
2: Big imagination, big big imagination. I think at six, I like I want to be on TV in my head. You know, um, I grew up as an only child, so. I would put on shows for my stuffed animals in the living room. I don't even think reality TV had started yet, but in my mind, there were cameras and I was going to go to a school like fame and do all of these different things. Um, yeah, I don't know where that came from. Too much TV, (laughs) probably. But when I was about 12 years old, one of my neighbors, um, growing up in my neighborhood, it was known as the Black Beverly Hills in the 80s. And a lot of my neighbors were working in the entertainment industry, were a part of it. I went to school with working actors and actresses from a young age. So my neighbor took me to Soul Train to go see New Edition. And that was my favorite group at the time. And so he worked in the music industry. And I was like, oh, there's a job that goes where you can go to Soul Train and meet your favorite groups. And Everything after that was intentional. I tried to figure out how I could get to this industry and get to this job. Because I think the thing in growing up in Los Angeles is Hollywood or entertainment doesn't seem far away. You know, it's an industry, you can touch it and it's tangible. It's just figuring out, okay, how do I get into that? Like, how do I get into law school? So that's the short version. Okay.
1: Well, I got to tell you, we're going to jump into more specifics. But New Edition was my first concert, totally dating myself, in Montgomery, Alabama, and it was mesmerizing. I was like, "What is happening?" Uh, so I love that, and I love seeing too that they're back with like a new fan base. It's 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 amazing. Um, so true talent uh, definitely never dies. But as you're realizing that you live in Hollywood, and and it, it's just this dream of working in entertainment is just a grasp away. What are some of the steps that you took after being, after realizing this was so accessible to you?
2: So I started out, I was a dancer, ballet, tap, went to after school performing arts dance academy. So I thought that that would be my way in. But my parents were like, no, that's a waste of time. You need to go to school and find a focus. And oops, unfortunately, when I was in college, there wasn't, I wanted to work in the music business. There wasn't a music business major. So I was like, well, what's close? What's close? What What is sort of close to what I want to do? And I discovered PR and communications. And so when I went to college, I thought, well, I can focus on this if I can learn about how people promote things, then maybe that is how I can get into the industry. And one thing at that time is for college, you had to do an internship. And so for me, internships became sort of my lifeblood. I did three, all of them were unpaid. One was for college credit, but the second one was most transformative for me. It happened by accident. My mother was an RN, a nurse, a critical care nurse. And a woman had a car accident and ended up in ICU. And so they were talking, they became friendly, and it turned out she worked in the music business. And so my mom advocated for me. She didn't know what I wanted to do, didn't know anything about it, but was said to the woman, oh, I think that that's something my daughter has an interest in. Would you mind if she called you? And she was like, yeah, when I get out of here, give me a couple of weeks. And she gave her a card. And that was my first internship at Electro Records with a Black woman. And that was my way in just old school reading the trades when i was at my internship sending out a dozen resumes um doing temp work for the internship places that i worked for and that's sort of how it became a job for me
1: so jill this story first of all my mom was an rn as well and like knowing that i've known you for so long and we're just like connecting the dots on so many things that we have in common is amazing So you're in the music industry. You've got your foot in the door at this internship. What are your parents thinking at this point? Because they sort of, they were like, don't pursue this performance thing, but you're still
2: pursuing entertainment, which still had to seem somewhat odd to them. It, it was. For me, that was my, my split. That's how we're going to make this okay. Okay. I won't try and do this other side, but I still want to be connected to it. I still loved it. So my mom, of course, wanted me to go to nursing school or she was also, she later became a college professor. She taught nursing in college. So she was like, or teach, <laughs> you know, those were the two things. They were from the South. So very traditional. All of this was foreign to them. So I just, I had to make sure that whatever I did, I had a purpose for it with my internship so that I could show them, no, it's bearing fruit. Look, I started as an intern, but now I'm a temp and I'm reading these trades because I'm applying and I'm going to get something else. So eventually I, I went through so many jobs, so many different companies early on, just trying to find my footing and where I can stick. And my parents were always like, um, you need to do something else <laughs> because you don't keep your jobs. Whatever this is, those people don't keep their jobs and they're from the era. Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when
0: you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't
1: stop thinking about? I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and
0: every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips.
1: So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before.
2: Of pensions and long term working 20, 30 years at the same company. So it didn't make sense to them. So
0: you said th- you said some enterings about like just kind of you had to go to different places and different jobs to kind of you know to figure out your get your footing together figure out where you really wanted to be at and things like that talk about what that that transition was like what you were kind of going through up here mentally right like um having to to kind of figure out what is okay this is really what I really want to do this is my passion et etc so talk about what that journey looked like for you and kind of your process of going through that
2: so um that- I, you know, vintage here, I I came of age during the time of the 90s. So hip hop was really just taking off. There are a lot of smaller labels. And this idea of changing over from what was known as the Black music divisions to the urban music divisions, there was a lot of change. So I worked, um, I worked in digital at Warner Music Group for a summer. It was a temporary position when they were just starting to set up websites for, um, audiences. I went and worked at an advertising agency as an assistant, just learning about that. I worked at a very small PR firm that was like boutique that did a lot of stuff with BET. And eventually I landed, I applied for a job at Virgin Records and as a PR assistant. And I got it. And for me, it was kind of intention. There's always been these moments where I sort of set an intention out there, but Put it out there but not focused on it. And at the time, Khalees was on virgin. Um, there was a group ideal. They had a couple of other things. So I said, that would be a nice place for me to go work. It's it's eclectic enough. They have some hip hop, but they have I like rock and pop a little bit. They had the Spice Girls. So I thought that I was like that would be someplace cool for me to work. I applied and I got the job and it was at a crazy time because that was the first time I became settled at the time. It was the longest job I had ever had. And there were so many new things coming in because it was a time when Janet Jackson was there, who was one of my favorites. They just signed Aaliyah. They had just signed Mariah Carey. Um, We had the Rolling Stones and the Spice Girls. So it was a lot happening and it was all brand new to me. And that was really when I got my footing and I was like, oh, I want to be here. (laughs) It's crazy, but I want to be here. This is what I want to do.
1: So how many hours are you working? What are you doing like day to day? I, it sounds like first of all that you're just a sponge, which is what so much of our so many of our guests have in common is that as you're looking around, not knowing what the path is, you're just absorbing all this information and then trying to be as strategic as possible. Let's just talk about you connecting the dots on everything you're seeing, what it is you wanted to do, setting those intentions, which is
2: huge. So I think for me, I, I, I kind of felt all over the place, but I thought at some point it'll make sense. I knew I loved music. I knew I loved TV and film. I knew I loved the lifestyle out of it because of the age that I am. And when I grew up, there were shows like Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous and Entertainment Tonight. So I wanted to figure out how to meld all these words. And then there was hip hop and sports, which were very important to me. One of my internships um, was at a very small label called Immortal. And it was uh, indie label through Epic Records, and they had a rap rock lineup. So they had um, they managed like an artist named Keith Murray. They put out the first basketball rap album. So we did a rap album with like Shaquille O'Neal and Gary Payton and all of these basketball guys. I remember that. I remember it. So I you know, I worked on that. And what happened was there was a guy named James Andrews. He was my boss. He was very instrumental to me. He decided that we were gonna throw a party and invite different celebrities and the athletes. It's when I think it was NBA Live or one of those video games, I'm not a gamer, was coming out. So they invited he went to college with the guy. So he invited them down. So we had this party. And at the time, We have these things all the time now, but at the time it was kind of new. It was radical. The guy that actually headed that label went on to become a basketball agent with, and started relatively media. So it, it just, that time, everybody was kind of figuring things out, figuring this combination of the urban world and film and TV. And so, You just got to kind of be involved in everything. And because it was all hands on deck at the smaller level, you got to try everything. So for me, it was about moving through spaces where I could learn as much as possible and do the things that I liked. That that was my intent. I wanted, at that time, my work to be my social life, too. So I was... In if I had to be at work at nine, I'm there at 845. You know, music industry is a little lax as long as you're in before 10, but I'm not leaving before seven or eight at night. And it's no problem for me because that's where I want to be. It was a lot, a lot of hours. And then once I started traveling, that was out of here. Something totally different too.
0: So you're, in, so
2: you're, so you're, oh, there uh, here uh, we
0: go. Uh, Didi, here we go. We're fighting. Um, so you're, <laughs> you're in this very structured corporate world, right? Of, of the music industry, as structured as it can be in the music industry, right? Um, but w- talk to us about when the idea of content creation kind of came into the picture, right? And you being a journalist and you being in front of the camera, w- w- at what point did all of that start to, be planted in your mind as an opportunity and then you actually started to do it?
2: So at one point I was working at like a post-production company and I sort of, a a coworker and I, we decided we were going to start a company. We wanted to create a magazine, like I think Honey at the time. So a combination of Honey and Vibe but we wanted it to be online. We were like, we're going to make this all digital and then we're going to have a screen, um, writing arm. We're going to produce these things. And I still, I found the notebook recently and we were going to do all of these things. We did none of those things, but. Um, and we were talking about branding and we were like, we need two printers and some computers and a fax machine. And that's how we're going to make it happen. Um, so that didn't happen. I was working in the music industry, as you know. Companies start to combine and come together and it eliminates others. So I kept getting, I started getting laid off. We're seeing my friends getting laid off and I'm like, this isn't going to last. Where am I going to go next? So I looked around LA. and said, oh, well, Nike is in Marina Del Rey, which was close to my house, or I want to work for the Lakers. Did not get to work for the Lakers, but I managed to find my way to Nike and in marketing and in brand marketing and there when I got to work on experiential marketing campaigns, their whole approach to marketing and what they wanted to do for the consumer and the outside world was intriguing to me. And what they loved about me at the time was I knew about all the trends. So I would put together trend reports. I would let them know what was happening in different parts of the city. And so it would come together to help us shape our plans for the year. And one thing that they did was they had these marketing, what they would call energy centers. Now they would be called pop-ups, but they would buy a property. They would come in and every like three months, six weeks, they would change out the um, theme or whatever it was to showcase the brand of Nike through a different light. So through that, that was a form in a way of marketing, but it was content creation because we would do different looks at LA or different art installations, soccer, different things like that. So in getting in with those branding meetings, it started stirring my ideas. So once I left Nike, I went to BET because I knew I wanted to work in TV and film at some point. And as things happened, I was about to lose my job because the hierarchy was changing over. So I wanted to think of something creative to stay with the company. I looked at the internet. I didn't like some of their coverage. So I said, oh, I'm going to come up with a column that we can put here. And I think people will like it. Twitter was just taking off. So I put together this whole project, but it did not save my job. So I decided at that moment, listen, I think that this is going to be something new coming in. There were blogs that were happening. I thought that I would do it to learn a new skill set. That was my idea while I was looking for another job. So I decided to build a website and I was going to talk about this this in-between lane of entertainment and sports and the lifestyle, which was becoming popular. You had the Real Housewives of Atlanta was launching then and shows like Basketball Wives. So I said, okay, if I recap these and I talk about the ladies, I talk about sports. But if I talk about their wives and what the players are wearing on court, i then I think that that is something different. It's not what ESPN is doing. I know that there's an interest there and it's going to teach me a new skill. So when I get that next job, I can bring this with me to the next job. And what ended up happening was the next job was Sony. And while I was there, the site started taking off and I started making money. And I was like, oh, I can control my own time And do this. So I'm going to leave this corporate job and I'm going to try this. And that is how it all started.
1: First of all, this is amazing because you literally were at the forefront of things we take for granted now.
0: If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road
1: trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's, right, all the behind-the-scenes stuff that we get to see with the with the players, the athletes, their what social media is sharing, their wardrobe. I mean, the tunnel fashion is a thing, right? Of course, what we see with the wives and how their brands have expanded, and so you literally feels like you help set all of this in, in motion. And I'm curious to know those are the early. Days of the internet and what you may or may not have been sort of reading and how you started making money and how did you know what to do with it? How did you know how to
2: monetize? So I didn't know how to monetize. I I'm a researcher, so anything that I'm interested in, whether it's a career or something. I am going to find all the information I can about it, turn it upside down, get into the nuts and bolts of it, because I think that that way, you can't be good at everything. But I feel that if I learned enough about it, I would be able to either find someone that could help me and be able to have a dialogue with them to communicate what I needed, or which was a lot of the case at the time, do it myself until I made enough money. So, what happened was I heard about Blogger through Gmail and I just signed up for Blogger. And there was a, a in, in the back end, it was like, do you want to allow AdSense? This is, we'll run ads, you know, you might make some money. So, I just clicked yes. And from there, when I got into, sort of the blogger thing and talking to one of my other friends that was kind of building a website, they kind of pushed me around and said, Hey, you can research here. So I learned about building a website. I taught myself some HTML. I would find developers and they would help me. But a lot of times, to fix that stuff, I would just learn on my own. So I would go read everything that I could and do what I could Um, at the moment, and just checking that AdSense button, I didn't know anything about it. The algorithm was much looser than it just started making money. And the way that I knew that this was like okay was, I think um, there was something Kim Kardashian related, and I posted it, and I got like think ten thousand at the time. That was more than the traffic I had ever had—ten thousand views in one day. And I said, oh this is real. And so I just started asking questions. I knew I was talking about sports. There were a lot of blogs then. So I connected with other blogs. They put me on to um, ad networks and just, I continued to ask questions and that was it. It, I didn't know at first, I made a lot of mistakes. I probably left a lot of money on the table, figuring it out, but um, it worked until it didn't. (laughs) That's so, that's
0: so fascinating, Jill. And I, I want to continue talking about this because, like, I love this this the continuing the trajectory of of your of your career because, again, you there were so many um, uh, different pit stops. I would like to call them and in, in going into different areas. So then now you go into um, you know again your 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 content creating uh, kind of pillars. It's still expanding and growing more and more and more. And now you're in front of the camera right, talking to celebrities, um, interviewing celebrities, being that journalist. Talk about what that experience was, was like um, in doing that and how you kind of, again, pivoted into that world.
2: So, well, in college, like I said, I was a PR major. So you had to take journalism classes with that. Mm-hmm. So learned how to write. I'm
0: PR <laughs> major. Me too.
2: Shout out. <laughs> so you had to learn that. um, When I was doing PR, we would do media training with our artists. So I would be writing questions and um, going back and forth with them, helping them to prepare their answers to go out and meet press. And so my, the first interview I ever did was actually when I was doing PR, it was Pharrell Williams for the NERD project because one of the journalists couldn't make it. So I said, okay, send me your questions because we wanted this coverage and I'll ask him. And I liked it. So when I was doing um, my website, I started looking at what was happening. And, you know, I noticed that the um, production companies that I was reviewing stuff, they were looking at my site and kind of turning things around. So I um, the reality TV girls that were on the show started following me. So I decided to reach out and say, hey, can I interview you? You know, I figured people would like it. They would like I was going to ask different questions at that time than probably what was mainstream and get to the heart of things. Also, because I had some experience in that life, there were things that I might have known about or different things like that, that I thought could lead the conversation in a different direction. So I just I took a leap of faith when the algorithm started changing as far as Google and things like that. And my website traffic started dipping down. I said, okay. I need a brand marriage. I need to go and find someplace else where I can continue to hone these interviewing skills, these writing skills, not just for myself, but so that other people can see me and take it seriously. So that was kind of the start of interviewing. I I went to an online network called AfterBuzz. They were recapping Different shows. And that helped me to start learning to book my own guests to put together a show and learn that aspect of it. And, you know, from there, just kept bouncing back and forth, getting opportunities with other brands or outlets to interview and do freelance stuff or write things or a brand would contact me, hey, can we talk about this and we can set you up with this person to interview for your site. So that is really how it folded in and we just kept going.
1: <laughs> Which seems to be a theme in in your life and career trajectory. And I'm just sort of fascinated at your ability to be able to pivot, but also connect all the dots on that. So share with with us a little bit about how you're able to do that. Are you journaling? Are you big on manifestation, prayer, prayer? All How
2: of you- that, all of that. Um, I am big on journaling. I I have my journals from when I was like nine that I've kept in some parts. Um I try to I try to think about the bigger picture and then put the details in place. One thing that I decided early on was that I feel like you spend the majority of your time at work. So for me, my goal was I want to make it enjoyable. I want to fill it with things that I enjoy to do. And I think because I read a lot and what I learned early at my internships was to read the trade. So I think with things like that, because you're seeing where your industry is going or what things are happening, you start to think about how can I put this together or how can I put myself in the middle of this? I call myself the queen of the pivot because I feel like you have to be agile in this business, especially in life, but especially in business. Because like I said, I went through an era of lots of consolidation of companies, people losing their jobs, friends losing their jobs. And I knew I wanted to stay where I was. So I had to figure out how to make myself relevant, how to make myself an add value prospect for everything. Because Everyone has a skill set. Everyone has things that they can bring to the same job. But I figured that my strength would be the dot connecting and the research that I do.
1: Come on, queen of pivot.
0: (laughs) I love that. I love that. And the pivot is so important, right? The pivot is like we all have had our different pivots. And I'm pivoting right now personally. So we've all we've all had those. And I think, again, I think always looking back at, at stuff like this about a pivot is like, you, you may not realize it was so intentional at the time, but then as you're doing it, it's literally like, it's falling in place at the time it's supposed to fall in place to. So I say for you now, Jill, your, your next pivot have, what does that look like for you? Like, what are your other areas of opportunity you kind of want to pivot into, uh, as you continue down this career
2: journey? So interesting. You bring this up. I've talked about this with Didi. I'm figuring it out. I definitely would like to, um, I have a documentary that I'm working on. That's kind of been my baby that, um, I am massaging because massaging, because it's harder than it looks. It it just, it's difficult when you take things on and you learn it's, it's an up and down process. Um, also interested in screenwriting and producing scripted content. We know that's an uphill climb. So I'm just sort of feeling out my options, seeing where I can be intentional, where I can affect things. Of course, too, um, I, I'm, as you're getting older, you feel the, the specter of time on your back. So I have to think about my choices as far as where I'm at personally, too, because I think that I had to take a step back and realize I can't let that um, cloud my vision for myself because it does. Because I'm like, oh, that'll take too much time. I don't want to see that through because, you know, where am I going to be? But sometimes you just have to slow down and go through that process. So I really would like to create content um, for of the, any number of streaming services and cable networks that we have, that would be the goal eventually. And, um,
0: everybody loves McDonald's fries, so yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba
2: merchandising and creating stuff like that, because I feel like you always have to have a product. And if there's anything you learn, especially being talent and being a writer and being freelance, it's that you can't really depend on one source of income. So you have to be flexible and make sure that there are varied ways that you can tap into if something slows down for you. And and no more than
1: one source of income. I right. mean, I'm literally like taking notes. I, I'm like, okay, Jill dropping gems. That's <laughs> what you're doing on your IG. Like legit, Jill. Legit. You are like not just a content creator and mm-hmm. and filmmaker, but you're also an entrepreneur. Like you are a businesswoman. And I'm curious, and I cut John off, and it's often we are asking the same question. But
0: You always really cut me off for the record. Some
1: of the tips that you could share with our community about the importance of getting paid, having those multiple streams of income, how you're juggling it all. You know, we, we don't often share those tips about how we make money, you know, all those things. And just
2: please share whatever you can, because, like, again, I, I got my notebook. I'm I'm ready. I'm writing. So I think with anybody that will tell you, especially on the talent side, especially at this time, it's so open and there's so many ways that talent, especially black talent, can be expressed and things that you can work on. But that also means that um, not everyone is going to want to pay you. Not everyone is going to want to pay you what you feel you are worth. And you might constantly be having to balance, okay, if I take this opportunity for this little money or below what I think my rate is, what is the bigger goal in doing this? So for me, in being honest, um, I when I worked at Nike, they had a stock, employee stock purchase program, and it's something I got in early. So I, I had a little nest egg that when I made the decision, I, I tapped into some of those things because- You know, it's hard to get funding. It's better now. There are more things opening up, but we know that it's hard for us to get funding. It's hard. Someone else could come in with a plan and an idea and maybe less traction or numbers that you have, but they might believe in that person a little bit more just because they connect with them more based on that background. So I think um, what I learned early on is I was depending on my AdSense and these other networks' dollars, and then the algorithm changed and everything fell out from under me. Like my revenue was cut in half, <laughs> if not more. And I was like, oh no, what am I gonna do? So looking around at other friends what or just what other people in the industry were doing and they were selling merch products, that, that was what spurned me to write the book too because I was being asked these questions, but I needed a product to sell that would extend the site. And so I said, if I put this up, if it's digital, it's something that people can always go back to. I released that book in 2015. I still get sales from it. You know, it's not crazy money, but it's income that comes in and is generated. Um, I believe in monetizing everything if you can. When... Things like with Twitter and Instagram, they have started creator funds and monetizing. I look into that. I see how I can get a part of it. Is it something that is tangible for me that I can turn over? At the very least, I'm going to research how they pay people, what makes um, what makes them pick this one over this one, what are things that you can push through, how you can work paid advertising and those type of things to get as much as I can. I'm a firm believer of taking one piece of content and dividing it five ways. So if I'm doing an interview, I'm going to write the interview and put it on my website. You're going to see the video from it. Um, when I had a podcast or if I have another podcast, I'm going to strip that audio out and put it on a podcast. That That's what I would advise to people. Sometimes I'm lazy, so I may not do all of that, but any way that you can to divide it up. Then, you know, chopping it up for social media. That's another thing. Pinterest is really good for, um, merchandising and things like that. So just finding out what the little niches are and continuing to grow. I, like I said, I read a lot. I read everything. So, um, if someone is doing well, I'm going to go and listen to their interviews to see what they're doing, how they are putting these dots together. And I think that that is important. And that's what keeps you sort of ahead of the curve.
0: Jill, first of all, you're speaking Didi's language right now, and she's writing everything down. This she... is
2: why I love talking
1: to her. I'm not kidding, and I'm bummed that I don't do it more often, but every time we talk, she drops major gems for me, and I'm just like, okay, wait, Jill said, "Yeah, like, it's Jill, you are amazing. And by the way, people sleep on Pinterest, but it's it's a really powerful money-making tool for content creators.
2: It, it really is and and there's so many of those different little niches where you know there are creator funds or or different things or people want to sponsor you for this so i'm i'm going to subscribe to newsletters that are going to tell you about funds and sponsorships or or, or writing programs or all of those things. And if I can, I'm going to apply to them all um, and see what sticks. And, And that's just what I'm a firm believer of, kind of spreading your seeds where you can and learning and seeing what takes fruit. Not everything will bear fruit, but you might find a new area.
0: I I want to ask you a question because again I want to I think a lot of our a lot of our listeners are are young individuals breaking into the industry some people are making those pivots that we've talked about earlier in their careers but what would be your one piece of advice knowing that you've touched different areas of your career in different functions and in different areas what would be a piece of advice that you would share with young young Jill young starting out Jill in her career what would be that one piece of advice that you kind of had your aha moment with now as as an adult and that touching all these different areas? What would that be if that, that piece of advice you would share with your younger self?
2: Speak up more. Mm. Absolutely speak up more. I don't I didn't advocate for myself in the ways that I should have when I was younger. And I probably allowed myself to be passed over or not. In some ways, I I was very much of the mindset that I would wait to get the credit. Oh, they'll notice. If I just work really hard, people will notice. And it's not true. They will accept all of the things that your work gives to them and to whatever project, but it won't necessarily turn back on you. And so the one thing that I would tell myself is to speak up for yourself and not be in fear of that. And that's one thing I do love about this younger generation is they aren't um, they aren't afraid to advocate for themselves in different ways. You know, sometimes we may not agree, but I think that that is something from that was missing for us is that um, humility was something that was really beat into you. And that's not a bad thing, but I think that there were times that didn't serve me because I should have spoken up for myself um, and been that person for me.
1: That is very much a Gen X quality, I think, where you just, again, put your head down, do the work. And it's just I do celebrate the Gen Z and millennials for stepping into their power a little bit more. And as we start to do that more and more too, just being inspired by them, like I'm inspired by how John advocates for himself in his career. Like John is not afraid. He's literally one of the most delightful people to work with, but don't cross him right? He's, he's kind, he's loving, he's generous, but I've seen him in, in ways that I didn't do this in my career at his stage, really speak up for himself and, and, and advocate for himself. And that's one of the things that I, I admire about him tremendously. I don't think I ever told you that, John, but it, it really is because I have put up with some stuff and a job and
2: me
1: too. Like, I, yeah, right? I wouldn't do that now. And I wish I'd had that ability to do it when I was, you know, when I was when I was younger. And so Jill, this has been such an enlightening conversation as they always are with you. You're one of my favorite people to talk to. We're going to do this more. And I know after this, John's going to be like, when are we seeing Jill? When are we getting together with Jill? We need margaritas and some pork nachos. from I want to give you this opportunity to share your love letter for Black entertainment and across the spectrum, because you've literally worked in every industry. You're just so remarkable. Black on the Scene is our love letter to Black entertainment and to the folks like you that authentically represent for the culture. So please tell the Black on the Scene community what your love letter is to Black entertainment and all the amazing work that you've contributed to over the years.
2: So my love letter is to people like you and John. Keep creating things like this where we can share our stories and talk about what we've been through, how we can build and connect, because I think that that is so important. I know that one of the things that I always made sure to do was to work in the internship program for whatever company I worked for, because I know how, like I said, that Black woman guiding.
0: Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba
2: me and giving me advice. And there were others, there were white men that poured into me, white women, Latino women, but it's important to be able to have someone that can say, hey, you might want to try it this way. This is going to give you a little easier path. And so I think that it's important that we continue to share all types of stories. I want to make sure that there's a voice for every type of story that there can be that encompasses Black people, Brown people, all people. of I-, I-, I want to have that space. So that's why I think things like this are so important because there's a million different stories. There's not one way to be in entertainment. There's not one way to be an entertainer. There's not one way to express your gift or to showcase things. And so I think that as long as there are platforms like this, where people are getting to express their love, their trials and tribulations, I think that it's important. And we get to see all sides of the story so that we feel that we're seeing everyone, everyone is being represented. And that is so important to me. So that's and Jill,
0: funny. we, we see you, Jill. We support we you, Jill. You we are here for you. We love you. And thank you so much for just sharing your journey, your, your walk, your run at times, uh, on, with our Black on the Scene viewers. And we just really appreciate your, your support that you've given to us. And this is your honesty. You just have such a beautiful uh, aura about yourself and that I just, I'm always rooting for you. Outside of this podcast entertainment world, I'm rooting for Jill Monroe. And I can't wait to see so many great things that you do in your career.
2: I appreciate you guys so much. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you guys so much for joining us and we will see you next time on Black on the Scene.
1: Thank you to our guests and to you for listening to this amazing episode.
0: We'd love if you would leave us a rating, review, and share your own love letter for Black entertainment. And make sure you follow us on social media at Black on the Scene. Keep shining, everybody. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles? And a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.